0: Hello and welcome to The Jackast, the Swansea City podcast. I am Gytos and with me, as always, we have Stephen Carroll. How are you, Steve? I'm good, thanks. How are you? Very good, very good. Better than Matt, um, who is unfortunately missing this podcast um, due to illness. Um, he also missed the uh, eventful away game at Huddersfield over the weekend because of said illness. So uh, we hope Matt's um, going to make a, a quick recovery and uh, he'll be back with us um, soon enough. We're just going to dive straight in because we have a mountain of topics to run through, uh, including uh, matches against Southampton, Huddersfield, all sorts of transfer goings on. Uh, the news that we are finally allowed back in stadiums and we've got two games to, uh, to preview. So with that in mind, Steve, let's go all the way back to the, to the Southampton game, FA Cup third round, the Swans first game in about a month. Um, my opinion, I thought it looked like we had not played in a month um for quite for a long period of that game, particularly the start of it, where for the first thirty minutes, I thought we were holding on and pretty lucky to just be the one goal down. Um, but then a big turning point in the game with the the red card. First of all, do you think it was a red card for jan Valerie?
1: Um, good question, really you mean, think it probably was because it was a foolish move, really, wasn't it? And and wasn't he already on a yellow card? And you're thinking, well, when you when you do that, then you know you are you are asking for trouble. But I mean, when you, Southampton should be kicking themselves based on that, really, because I think if they uh, if it hadn't been for that red card, I think they probably would have won quite comfortably and wouldn't need an extra time, really, because you know we did look quite shapeless um, up to that point, I would say. So it was a big moment in the game, wasn't it? And I think they. You know, really ampton shot themselves in the
0: foot, didn't they? Absolutely. I thought Salampton were fantastic for the thir- first thirty minutes, and they'd you know they'd obviously picked quite a strong team. Um, they were looking to get through to the fourth round. So fair, fair play to them for taking it seriously. I was surprised by our team selection that we didn't go a little bit stronger. There were quite a few um unusual picks there, players who haven't played much and players played in unusual um positions um a bit strange considering we hadn't played for a month and we probably needed um you know a lot of those players would have needed the match practice but h- how do you think steve we did after um getting that man advantage um because it the game definitely settled down but it took a long time for us to to finally get that goal i
1: mean it did we had more possession didn't we i mean uh, i agree with you in terms of it was a strange team selection but I mean, we don't know who had COVID and was recovering and everything like that, really, do we? So I think it was always gonna be a bit of a strange run. Although, you know, I must admit I wasn't really expecting to see over Fermi and Piro in the same team and you know, it didn't really work did today, if we're being honest. But we, we did do better after that. We had more of the ball. But I mean, if we're honest, we didn't really ask a great deal of questions that we to Southampton, which, you know, has been probably a theme more maybe more earlier in the season, I think in the more the game certainly through November, December, we were creating chances. And I think it was a case of us sometimes not taking them, but I felt like we didn't really offer a lot. And it was, we were waiting really for, I suppose, a chance for Piro. And eventually one came, didn't it? And he, he did stick it away. And obviously that was it to take it into extra time. But we, you know, we, we were definitely better, I think after that red card.
0: Um But, you know, before that, it was men against boys, really, wasn't it? It really was. It really was. And I, I, couldn't agree more about the Obafemi and Cullen um, experiment. It just didn't work for them at wide. They were pretty ineffective, it has to be said. And I think, you know, both both of those players, they're, they're central strikers. They 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 play best leading the line. Um, and if you're not going to play them in those positions, I don't think you can play them anywhere, if I'm being honest. The, the problem for those two is that um, Pirou's been so good this season and he's, he's kept them out Um but I, unless you know Pierre is injured, it's difficult to see them getting starts. Really, that's um, that's the thing because they clearly you know aren't gonna aren't gonna be very effective out wide if that's what we're asking them to do. Um, the game went to extra time. Do you think Russell Martin would have wanted the extra thirty minutes?
1: No, I uh, I don't think he would. I mean, if you're looking at the first game for a month, there'd have been a lot of players flagging by the end of that. Um, end of extra time, really. I mean, playing two hours would have been hard goal, wouldn't it? Especially against, um, you know, a good side, so that was not ideal. I think everybody would agree with that, so probably didn't want that either, but you know, if you uh, if can't be separated after 90 minutes, that, that's what happens, isn't it? I suppose that's better than, you know, this week playing a, a replay and having to travel down to the south coast, but, you know, I think it would have been better if there'd been a resolution either way, really, in the, the 90 minutes, wouldn't it?
0: Exactly. I mean, nobody wants. Nobody wanted a replay from that game. I had um, quite a few like Twitter debates after that match about the merits of replays, and um, I, I just I'm sorry they, they're outdated. They're totally outdated. A couple of people said, "Oh, but what about the you know the little clubs who dream of a trip to Old Trafford, etc." Like one, those situations are few and far between. Like it's very real, rarely a sort of. Um, Who's Burton? Did Burton get a replay at Old Trafford once? I can't remember. But you know.
1: yeah, Well, Exeter drew at Old Trafford as well, didn't
0: they? Yeah, I mean, like every every once in a blue moon, you'll get a team that wins a replay at Old Trafford or the Etihad or the Emirates or, or Anfield or somewhere like that. But but they are really a, a tiny. Uh, like I said to you
1: before, I I think if um two teams agree beforehand they don't want a replay, then they shouldn't have to have them. But I also think that say now Swindon played Man City, Swindon would have the right to say you no, know, we, we'd we like a replay if it gets to that point. Yeah. I know maybe you could argue then, it's different rules slightly, but, you know, that again, that's the luck of the draw, is I do think you should be able to not have a replay if you don't want one, but you, you shouldn't be denying the other clubs either. Like, the argument would against Man City then would be, with Swindon, well, pick a strong enough team to make sure it doesn't go to a replay.
0: Yeah, I, I, I you know, I, I wouldn't be against that. One of the things I don't like about replays though is that they do incentivize teams to to play for the draw. Like, and it's you know, football is about glory and FA Cup, the FA Cup is about glory. And you don't remember the teams that get draws. You you remember the teams that that get the wins. You know, we'll remember Cambridge beating Newcastle for years to come because, you know, it was an amazing, amazing achievement. Um but I, I just wonder if they will you know in, not not maybe that match but in a lot of games you see teams just play for the replay and that it's as if a replay is better than a win for them and it's like that goes against like the spirit of football and and it probably goes against the 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 spirit of the FA cup like do we really want that i don't know it's a debate for another time we don't really have time on this podcast to to debate that um just to finish off on southampton um, we took the lead through an own goal um And I was absolutely landed, thinking we were going through to the fourth round, I was celebrating, uh, jumping around my brother's living room and then uh, it lasted, what, well, less than a minute, Steve? Um, put simply, we've seen this before this season, haven't we? Yeah,
1: we have. We've picked up a bad habit now, we have to say, didn't we, of um, conceding from, you know, from our, our own goals, really, so... You know, we have gotta be small switched on, I think, haven't we? That's that's how we'd have to describe it. I mean, it's it's not really good enough, is it? You know, you've gotta be you know, the old saying isn't it if you never so vulnerable as when well, you score,
0: but But that but that's rubbish. That 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 thing is absolute rubbish. Teams do not tend to concede straight after scoring. It's very rare that that happens. So but why but some for some reason with us this season, we've been doing it. Like I can never remember the swans. Being like this and and you know being a soft touch straight after taking the lead, it, you should be at your absolute strongest. You should be right. We're in control now. We you know, but for some reason we we switch off at at kickoff and it's I I don't really understand how how it is that we're at our weakest after straight after scoring. It's just pretty unprofessional, if I'm being honest.
1: Yeah, well, I I agree with you. I mean the fact that you know occasionally you will concede after scoring when you I mean this. That's just one of those things. But we're looking at... There's several incidents now, isn't there? Obviously, there's the two in that red in-game, was not there? And now we're looking at that one as well with um, with Ant. I mean, you've just got to learn lessons, haven't you? I mean, if we keep doing it, you know, you're, you're going to cause yourself problems all the time. So I think that's what's really frustrating about it, isn't it? You see, when you get... If you've got to perceive weakness. You've got to try and work on it and make sure that you, you're not exposing it all the time. Because, you know, other teams now may well play us and if they concede to us, they might think, look, this lot regularly concede after scoring, you know, get into them early on after it and, and try and get a goal back straight away. So I think that's what's frustrating really, isn't it? I mean, you should be more switched on after you've scored. And it does seem to be a weakness for it, for us, doesn't yeah.
0: it? Yeah, it's it's not the um the only time it's happened this season as well. It, it happened away at um at Preston as well, um when we, we took the lead and then um they they scored, you know pretty um pretty well i think two minutes afterwards um and then yeah you know it's 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 happened once it's happened a couple of times this season and it's um yeah just just very strange really um you could say it happened uh, maybe it's a bit more of a stretch of Birmingham game there was a bit more of a gap between Obafemi scoring and them scoring their winner but yeah it's um it's it's a bad habit. Um, it's an unusual habit, and it's it's not one that we really want to um, um, that that we want to last, really. Um, so yeah, unfortunately, the Swans couldn't hold on uh, for the win against uh, uh, Huddersfield, uh, which was a, a bit of a disappointment, but not in t- against Southampton, I should have said. Not not entirely surprising, considering. Um, we had been away for a month um, and hadn't played any kind of competitive football in that time. Um, one of the positives Steve, from that Southampton game, I thought, was the performance of Flynn Downs, who was given the captain's armband um, and did very well against an experienced um, Southampton midfield. And um, well, you went up to Huddersfield over the weekend. He had another brilliant match up, uh, up in Yorkshire.
1: Yeah, he did. I mean, he's he's been one of the finds, really, hasn't he, of uh, of the season? I remember when we signed him, thinking to myself, oh, okay, that's an interesting one. And I, if I'm honest, I thought it was going to be a replacement for uh, for Matt Grimes, really, um, because it was a it was a fair outlay that we we spent on him in ter- in our terms these days, because we don't have a great deal of money, do we? But you know, he's he's been a great find, and I mean, it just shows you that there are players in the lower divisions, and obviously, you know, this is why you need to back your manager in the transfer market, which we'll come on to later. But yeah, Downs. Not known for his goal scoring, but obviously popped up with a goal as well, which was which was great on the weekend. But he was definitely one of our standout performances um, on Saturday up at Huddersfield. And you know, he's been like that for most of the season, hasn't
0: he? I absolutely love him. I think he's an absolutely fantastic player. He's only 22, but plays uh, like a, 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 yeah, a seasoned pro. Um, like you, I didn't know much about him before before we signed him. Um, and he's been a revelation. I mean, he's he he does a bit of everything, really. He is so good defensively. Um, and what I love about him as well is when he goes into a tackle, he's not just looking to kind of get clear it and and that's it. He goes into a tackle looking to emerge from that tackle with possession um, and he's got the confidence to kind of try and play in his way out of tight spots He's also got the physique for it. He's got that strength and the, and the good feet to, to do that. Um, he's got the best pass-completion ratio in, in the entire championship. So he's very comfortable on the ball. Very rarely misplaces a pass. He's just a very, very talented young player. I, I said before, I think he reminds me a lot of Declan Rice um, in the way that he plays. He He's just got that same kind of composure. He plays the game the same way um he's he's yeah, um, I'm not saying he's as good as Declan Rice, but the style is very, very similar, and I just love watching him play every single time. I think he's an absolute star and one of our best players this season, um but that goal came, Steve, after we had fallen behind in the first half. um, I couldn't watch the match, but you were there. What was that first half like?
1: Not great, um if I'm honest with you, um we looked a bit shaky defensively, which isn't, uh, you know, which has been the norm really recently, isn't it? And I was a bit surprised that Hamer started number one. And if I'm honest, early on he picked the knock up, and I was thinking, well, he he's really struggling here. And um, I was surprised he wasn't taken off. He did seem to, you know, maybe it was able to run the injury off uh, eventually. But you know, I I did feel a bit sorry for him in some ways because what well, if you pick it up a knock, what what can you do? I mean, obviously he made a decent save for the. The goal before obviously it was, it was a parry wasn't it and it was tapped in but you know i, I didn't think we were great in the first half got it just felt like we were you know a little bit rusty we weren't really offering a lot going forward and um yeah it was sort of what i expected to, to be honest i'm i i did not go into that game feeling particularly confident and you know at half time it had, it had gone as as i'd expected but it did get better after that which was you know really encouraging
0: yeah, because in fairness, Huddersfield went into that game in, in some good form, and they are just outside the playoff spots in the championship. They've had a surprisingly good season, but by all accounts, I mean second half it was just uh, ultra dominance basically by the Swans. I've seen a lot of people say that actually it should have been we should have been coming home with with three points really. Yeah,
1: I, th- I think that's true. I think the only criticism I would give the Swans really would be that we did really pin them in their half. And it was one-way traffic. But we didn't ask them enough serious questions, I don't think. There's a lot of shots from outside the box. Their keeper didn't have a, a great deal of good saves to make. I think that was the the problem. And there was a chance with fair where he did make the keeper make a save, but he had a better angle to go with it just before he'd taken an extra touch. And you're thinking, well, if he'd done that, maybe that would have resulted in a goal. I think pretty much the goal did come a minute or two after that anyway. But I think there was just occasions where maybe we, we didn't pick the right options and, and this type of thing, really. So I think that was the only criticism I would throw at us. But we, um, we did play a lot better. And the most encouraging thing from my point of view was actually that we, we did get stronger as the game went on. And you would think a team that hadn't played for a while would um, you know, would probably maybe start to fade in the second half. But I didn't think that was the case. And you know, the other encouraging thing is, I mean, as you said, Huddersfield have had a good season. They've been on good form recently, but we did make them look quite ordinary. So, you know, you've got to say that we did really well. And I think Sorba Thomas, the, obviously the Welsh international, did come out and say that we're the best team that they have played. So, I mean, that probably says a lot, doesn't it?
0: Does he fancy a move? Because we could really do with a wing back slash winger right now.
1: Yeah, I'd be after that.
0: There you go. So, I mean, one point, uh, coming back from, um, with a point from um, from a tough, you know, away game at, at somewhere like Huddersfield, it's not to be sniffed at. I know people will say, you know, we could have won it, but um, I think we'd have all, you know, taken that before kick-off. Um, quick, just uh, very quickly before we move on from Huddersfield, Steve, it was the first time that Swansea fans have been able to watch their team play since the 11th of December. I think there was quite a lot of um, pent-up emotion and pent-up excitement. Um We've all seen the video of um, the goal celebrations and um, one fan getting a bit overexcited and jumping over the barrier, and crashing into the advertising hoardings. Um, good atmosphere on the weekend?
1: Yeah, it was a good atmosphere, especially in the second half when we were pushing. I think, as you say, we, we took quite a lot of fans out there. I think a lot of people thinking that, um, you know, we might be locked out for a little while at, uh, at home games. So... Yeah, a lot more people probably went than normal. Let's say eleven 1, hundred. You're probably expecting more likely to be five hundred. I would say up there, so we took twice as many as normal, really. And yeah, I think everybody was up for it. I mean, you you are, aren't you? It's a bit like on the opening day, isn't it, where you know you, you haven't played for a while and, and everybody's uh, looking forward to it. So it sort of had a similar feel to it because we've had what it essentially is a winter break, haven't we? So not playing for ages. So yeah, you could just sense that it was a good atmosphere in it and everyone was. You know, maybe a bit more effort
0: than normal, which is, you know, that can only be a good thing. Yeah, absolutely. But um one player who was absent, and um, well, um it's we've learnt a bit more now about why he was absent is Jamie Patterson. He's definitely been making the headlines over the last few days. One of um Swansea's best players um over this season. I don't think anybody would uh, disagree with that. He's really endeared himself to fans. Um played a, a key role in the, um, in the South Wales derby win against Cardiff. Um, a firm fan's favourite until possibly this week, Steve, because, um, well, clearly uh, there is now a chance that he could be leaving after what seems to be a disagreement over um, the state of his contract with the club. Um, and it's now seen him... Well, um, it seems refused to play for the team and not, uh, according to the headlines, not turn up for training today either. So, um, I mean, this isn't this isn't a good situation, is it?
1: No, it's not. Um, How how can we we describe this now? I think I would say Patterson, as you say, has been one of our best players this season. Um, You know he probably came in here on a contract that was not as good as what he probably would have got in normal times. It's just that COVID has changed the market. So, you know, you're not usually going to get an experienced championship player on a one-year plus a one-year option deal probably for less money than what he would usually get as well. So, you know, from the club's point of view, it was a good deal and obviously the player was sort of in a position where he was left in limbo. The season was about to start. He didn't have a club and you're thinking, well, this is a decent enough offer. I'm probably not going to get a better one. So, I'll sign it, even though he probably thinks he's worth a bit more, which, you know, is sort of fair, but then obviously he's come in, he's he's done a lot better than probably everybody expected, you maybe even himself, and, you know, I think that the option on the contract was always going to get triggered, I mean, that's, you know, that wasn't up for debate, was it? I think, from my point of view, what the Swans probably should have done is triggered it sooner, and said to him, look, we're going to trigger this just to give us some leeway, but we would like to offer you a little bit of a better contract, because you've made um, a good contribution, and I think that would be fair, really, because, you know, he, he has done really well for us, arguably being our best player this season. I think definitely in the running for it, and, um, you know, I think it, a lot of it centres now, doesn't it, on whether, was he promised a better deal or not? If he was, then he's entitled to feel aggrieved. If if he wasn't, then, you know, this really doesn't look good either way. But one thing you can't do from my point of view, you can't go on strike. Um you know, if anybody else did that, if me or you did it, I think we'd be handed rp 45 pretty quickly. And I mean, it's it's disrespectful to the supporters. It's disrespectful to his teammates and his manager, really. So, you know, I, I think Patterson needs to come out and say something. And that's the main thing. I mean, you know, his story's been in the press now for a couple of days. No one from the club or him has commented on it. And Patterson needs to justify himself to the supporters, really, why he's not been playing. And I think, you know, if he's not going to do that, then... You know, I'm struggling to see a way back for him, I've got to be honest, because it's going to be difficult for the Swans now to offer him a new contract with the way that he's behaved, because then it sets a bit of a precedent, doesn't it? I mean, our other players going to think, right, well, this guy kicked off as unprofessional, and he's got himself a new contract, so why don't I do the same? And then you're on a bit of a slippery slope, aren't you? So we're in a tricky position now, and it's, it all feels unnecessary, and it's, mm. and it's a shame, isn't it? Because Patterson has done really well for us, He's a key player, I think. If he'd played a game, he played the weekend, we might have won because sometimes that final ball, for example, was was lacking, and he may have been the player that could have helped us get a winning goal. So, yeah, it all it all feels very un, unnecessary and a, and a real shame, doesn't it? I think you, I'm sure you echo a lot of those thoughts.
0: Yeah, I mean, yeah, we don't know the ins and outs of what's gone on in the boardroom, uh, uh, you know, wh- over these contract discussions. It is very weird that a contract extension is agreed and announced and then suddenly the player says actually I'm not happy with it that's highly unusual you just don't see that happening so what's happened for that to take place you know has has the club been a little bit shady in in the way it's dealt with it has he just not read the fine print and and has realized afterwards you know, oh, nuts, I've done something a bit stupid here. I probably shouldn't have signed this without reading the fine print. Uh, who knows, ha- have other clubs maybe got involved and, and maybe turned his head a little? We we just don't know. Um, but what I, I don't like is the fact that he's gone on strike, really, and refused to play. Um, it's not a good luck for any footballer, as far as I'm concerned. And it's one thing doing it in the summer when... There is a possibility of a really big transfer, for example, with kind of Guilfi Sigurdsson when he was, um, you know, clearly on the way to Everton. But they, they were, the clubs were just not agreeing on a price. I, I can kind of understand that because it's not in anybody's interest for Guilfi Sigurdsson to play in a pre-season friendly, say, and get injured. Um, and then scupper a deal which would have made the Swans a lot of money. And both, you know, let's face it, the Swans wanted that deal to happen as well. Um, not just Everton, so I can I can understand in that kind of situation why, as unpleasant as it is, you know, it's these things happen. But this this kind of thing is more difficult to stomach. This is more kind of similar to to the kind of Lyle Taylor situation um, at, at Charlton um, a season or two ago. It's there's it, it's really unpleasant. It's not nice to see a player kind of um, down tools like that and and throw his Throw his toys out the pram, really. Um, you'd like you all. You always want your players to be a bit more professional than that. And like you said, Steve, it's a luxury the footballers have that no other profession really has. I mean, nobody who is a teacher um, or you know um, a, a cleaner or a, a, a doctor or a, you know or any other field of of normal work. You know, if if either of us was just to say. Do you know what? I'm not happy with uh, the state of my contract and how much I'm getting paid, so uh, I'm just not going to work. Um, I'm not going to turn up for work today. I mean, let's face it, we, we'd, we'd be surprised if we kept our jobs, wouldn't we? It's a luxury the footballs have that they are able to do that, but it's it's pretty disrespectful to the fans as well. It's it's just it's just not nice. It's um, it's a really unprofessional way of doing it. I don't know how much. Kind of the agents are getting involved and and maybe persuading him. That happens a lot, obviously, but it's just a really unpleasant situation. Um, my hopes are that it can be rectified and that both parties will come to their senses and work out kind of Patterson, you've been a, a bit of an idiot here not playing, and the club then realize Patterson is an important player. We don't have anybody else in his position who can do what he does. Um, it's in everybody's best interest for this to be rectified. Um, it's just unclear how it's going to be rectified, really. Will it end with Patterson forcing a move? Will it end with both parties coming back around the negotiating table and and maybe putting a couple of extra numbers on, on that contract? We'll just have to wait and see. But I mean, Steve, do, do you see any kind of way around this? I mean, we've seen players do U-turns in the past Ferry Bodder was a famous one, of course, where he looked destined to leave and then suddenly signed a contract extension. But it has to be said, it, it doesn't happen that often, does it? Usually with the Swans, when a player is rumoured to be going away, um, that, that tends to be the way it goes.
1: Yeah, I mean, you would have to say that he's more likely to not be here on February the 1st than be here. That's how I'm reading it at the moment. But I mean... Let's let's look at it another way. We don't know if there's any interest in him for a start. Nobody's massively been been linked with a move. Um, I'd, I'd be
0: amazed if there isn't any interest after the stories that have been recently, you know, yeah, you, seeing...
1: you would think so, wouldn't
0: you? Um but And he would he wouldn't cost too much for any club that was will, you know looking to buy him because he's thirty no, years old. He
1: could go for a million, wouldn't
0: he? Yeah, possibly a million. But he's thirty years old. He's got no Premier League experience. This is he's in what well quite possibly the best form of his career this season. Um, if not, you know, he's right up there with the best that he's played. Um, but he is a player who's had pa- a patchy career on the whole. Um, so, you know, it, w- it wouldn't cost too much for um, a, a promotion chasing club to come in and, and nick him away you would have thought.
1: No, I think that's true as well. But you just don't know, do you? I mean, if, is there going to be... is someone going to make an offer? I mean, you know what the problem with the Swans is. We know what we're like. We've got this horrible history now of on deadline day, you know, accepting deals that we think are not very good. And let's be honest, people in football talk, they know the score. They will know that the Swans have got this reputation and they will probably test the water on deadline day with a crap offer. And if the player digs his heels in, we've got a problem then, haven't we? So, you know, I he's probably going to go somewhere, isn't he? That's the the general outlook. I mean, if he doesn't, he's probably going to have to be reintegrated, you would have thought. Although the manager could afford to say, you're staying in the sands. I mean, he does seem like someone he wouldn't mess with, really, Russell Martin. I mean, a few players have been dropped at um, various points of the season. So, you know, I don't think it would be a case of the window would shut and we would bend over backwards to... To put him back in like we would have done with, you know, like say, Sigurdsson you mentioned earlier, we probably would have, wouldn't we? Mm. But, um, yeah, I'm, you know, I think the chances are he's not going to be here, is he?
0: It's such a shame because he is, he's been so good for us this season and his partnership with Pirou is fantastic. And he had been doing all the right things. I mean, he, you know, he seemed to be loving life here, so I don't know what's changed, but... Clearly, something's gone on behind the scenes um, that's affected his relationship with the club hierarchy. But um, it's ended up in this mess and it's just not what we needed at all. I mean, when we were looking at the start of January at the the situation with the squad, I think we were thinking more kind of additions than than losing big players. And um, well, we've already lost Ethan Laird. Jamie Patterson could very well leave at this point it's um it's not ideal it has to be said I just really hope it gets rectified um because you know as my, I've seen people say oh let him go you know nobody's bigger than the club but you know using common sense here if we can keep Jamie Patterson and persuade him to you know to play um then that's clearly in the club's best interest because he's been phenomenal for us he may have to work hard to regain favor uh, among the fans but you know, we we need a player like Jamie Patterson. So hopefully common sense will prevail on both sides and they'll realise, you know, come to some kind of agreement that resolves this. But that is hopeful talk, um, rather than kind of well I think will happen. Um, we could be surprised, but it's 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 up in the air and it's um it's left the club in a difficult position. Um but it's also left Jimmy Patterson in a difficult position, Steve, because at the end of the day, he is under contract um, to the club. The club, you know, he, he, he only goes if the club accept an offer from um, elsewhere. So what happens if, you know, there isn't a good enough deal and he's stuck here at the end of January? I mean, he's faced with a choice then. He can either sulk and not play at all and waste some of the best years of his um, of his career. Um or he can you know get down to work and and work his way back in, back into the team um it's they could go all sorts of ways but um there's a lot of uncertainty now and well it's um it, it's yet to be seen really how this gets worked out but it's it's really really not a pleasant situation um another player who is leaving um is Jake Bidwell um who has joined Coventry on a free transfer this week and I'll be honest, Steve, I've been surprised by the positivity shown towards Jake Bidwell um, uh, this week because I actually expected people to be like, oh, who, yeah, good, who cares, etc. I didn't realise people held Jake Bidwell in such high regard because from my memory, most of his time here at the club has been kind of people or at least a lot of the time he's been at the club, has been people kind of complaining about the deficiencies in the game and what he can't do rather than what he can do. Um, so I was a bit surprised to see that there was a really positive reaction online when it was announced um, towards Jake Bidwell, then when it was announced that, that he was leaving, and a lot of people very disappointed. Um, how did you feel about it when he left?
1: Uh, can I, first of all, can I make the point that I get the feeling that some people are disappointed, purely because he scored against Cardiff. Like, I do think that that does come for
0: a lot. Do you actually think our fans are that fickle that they would change their mind entirely about a player based on one goal against Cardiff?
1: Well, do you you think (laughs) that when Marvin Emnes rejoined the Swans, that the outpouring of, like, joy was entirely based on the fact that
0: he scored against Cardiff? I think it probably had a lot to do with it.
1: (laughs) Uh, Yes, and I think that, yeah, there's definitely an element of truth in what I've said, I think. Don't get me wrong, I think I know one or two have said that actually we've, um, since Bidwell has not been in the team, we have conceded more goals, which, you know, that is uh, that's true. Can't really um, argue with uh, with that fact I think. I'm not going to be too critical of, of Bidwell. I think he was uh, an honest professional, that gave us all. He's limited. I think that's the best way of describing it. I mean, especially for like the wing-back type positions. I think uh, you know, he'd be getting forward and then wasting a lot of attacks. I mean, Barnsley away was a good example of it. And, you know, I just think for long term, he was never going to be right for us under this manager, really. So I understand why the decision's been made. He's probably on a reasonable wage. Obviously, he wasn't going to get another contract. So that's why they've done it. I think it's one of those things where there's just no hard feelings. And I think everybody shakes hands and says, thank you for, you know, your the efforts that you've given. And,. You know, you'll go somewhere else now where you're going to be uh, first choice. And, um, you know, I think it's a, it, it works for everybody. It's just week we're going to need to get somebody in, aren't we? Um, because, you know, Lathabodier played there. At, uh, played a left wing back at Huddersfield. To be fair, he, he did a job there. But that's not his position either. He's not it, a so.
0: wing back, is he? He's not yeah. a wing back. He's not got that instinct.
1: Um, no, exactly. Back. He's not. So... Yeah, you know, I think that's the way we need to uh to look at it, really, isn't
0: it? Yeah, I mean, I Jake Bidwell, he's not the most gifted of footballers, he's not the most uh, athletic of footballers, um, but I think he's, you know, he, I think he's done a solid job for the for the club over the past what two and a half years. I think, um, and and I think it says a lot about him that he does leave with those kind of messages because, um, when he first arrived here, um, I think there were. I think the attitude is very different towards him. Um, I mean, that first kind of half season under Cooper, at least until sorry, until we um, changed to a back five under Cooper, um, he really did look out of place in, in in the team, and he didn't look up to it. Um, and I didn't rate him particularly highly. I'll be honest. He did look much more comfortable in a back five. Um, he had a very good assist record, um, considering he wasn't really the most. The most um, exciting of attacking fullbacks, you know, he wasn't an Ethan Laird, but he did actually set up a lot of goals for us, um, particularly under Cooper. And the point you made there about the fact that since he's been out of the team, we've been conceding more. I, I I do think we've been at our best defensively this season when we've seen Ryan Manning at left centre back and Jake Bedwell at left wing back. It's not something preseason that I would have expected to happen in but by, by any means, but but it did kind of work because Brian Manning had to stay back in, in that centre-back position and he got that extra protection then from Bidwell, who's quite the conservative wing-back. Um, and definitely over the last few matches, you know, we've seen that wing really exposed because Manning's been playing um, left wing-back and just gallivanting forward and leaving acres of space in behind him. Um, and and it's really left our defence stretched. And I do think we would have been better placed defensively had we had Bidwell in the team. So um, I, I yeah, it's it's one of these. I think I think the squad is worse off without Bidwell in it. Um, it'll be interesting to see who we can get in to replace him. I can't imagine that we're going to just leave Latibaldier to fill that gap. Um, because that that just wouldn't make sense. So I, I I you'd have to imagine that we're getting somebody in in some capacity, um, but I do think for the time being we've we've weakened our squad by um, by letting Bidwell go. Even though I I don't think he's the best player ever. I think he is. I think limited is the word. The the word you said there, Steve. It's it's the perfect description really. I think he has certain strengths but there are certain weaknesses there as well and i think he is basically an average championship left back slash left wing back um but i think he'll do well in coventry system i think he'll um i i think he'll give them good experience as well they're quite a young side up in coventry so i think it is a move that works out well for everybody gets him off the wage bill and just hopefully um his wages can be put um towards um to, towards uh, another well a replacement for him really um, we've got more outgoings to discuss um, I mean the likes of Dan Williams and Josh Gould have gone on loan um, from the under 23 squad, Liam Cullen, Steve has had a long overdue um, loan move to Lincoln where he joins Um, uh, um good move for him do you think?
1: Yeah, I think so. He started the other day, didn't he? I think he played an hour for them. So, look, Cullen just needs to play. That's the simple truth of it. He should have gone out on loan before this. I think, in all fairness, I don't think it's his fault. I think the club should have uh, sorted that out for him. So, you know, he's getting a loan spell now. Hopefully he'll do well. And, you know, we can make a decision about what happens after that then in the summer. But, you know, he needs to play games, doesn't he? And, you know, if we're honest at this moment, he's not up to playing regularly for us. So, you know, a long spell um, makes sense. If him and Whittaker can get a partnership going together, that would be great as well.
0: Yeah, I've, I felt sorry for Cullen this season because when he's played, he's been played out of position, either kind of behind the main striker in this sort of, al- almost in, in a kind of Jamie Patterson type role or he's been played wide and neither position's suited. He is an out-and-out striker uh, and you either play him there or you, or you don't, quite frankly. Um but he's, you know, he's always, he, he always tries his best. He always puts in the hard yards. It's just when he's playing out of position, he, he's not much use, let, let's face it. Um, and he needs to be playing in his preferred position if he's, if he's going to have any kind of impact. And, you know, when you look at his preferred position, he's behind both Joel Piru and uh, Michael Orbafemi in the pecking order. He was never going to make that breakthrough this season. So much better that he goes off um, to League One to, to try and develop. Um, Another one who's gone, um, Steve, is um, well, Stephen Bender, who began the season as a number one, but quickly fell out of favour and um, has now found his way to Peterborough, where he joins another former um, Swansea goalkeeper, Dai Cornell. Um, Good move for Bender, do you think?
1: Um, Yeah, I think so. I mean, when you've got three goalkeepers, as we'll go on to discuss, I mean, it's too many, isn't it? Somebody needs to go and... Yeah, you know, I think that it's not a bad idea because the club can look at it from the point of view now of that um, Bender obviously can gain some experience and then, you know, I'm expecting Andy Fisher to be the number one, but then Hamer's out of contract in the summer. If Bender does well at Peter brother maybe he'll end up staying here and the Hamer will be released. Or obviously Bender I'm assuming will get sold in the summer if we decide to keep Hamer. So that's the situation that we're, we're in now. Bender needs to play, doesn't he? I mean, I'm I did do think I saw some good things from Bender when he played, but there was just that rashness about him where he would make a mistake or he, he would you know he had a press and he came out in he and he clattered someone, he could have been sent off. I think that's the that was the issue really with, with Bender. There'd always be a mistake in him at Blackwood. I thought he had a really good game, but he gave away a penalty and obviously that cost a goal. So I think that was his, his problem. He couldn't it's not make have, there'd be a mistake in there. I think mean, he needs to try and get rid of those from his game. If he does then I think he is a good goalkeeper but you know those mistakes are always going to hold him back and you know if he can cut
0: that out of his game at Peterborough then you know he'd be a far better goalkeeper for it. Yeah his footwork as well just nowhere near the, the required level for, for the style of play the way we're uh, employing but like you said a good shot stopper you know he's um, he's pulled off some excellent saves this season it's just those mistakes that meant he, he couldn't be trusted unfortunately in our goal. Um, I've got my doubts about him going to Pete Debra and whether that's a good deal. He'll probably get first team football there. Um, I don't think Di Cornell is the best goalkeeper. He's only there because Darren Ferguson fell out with their old number one. Um, I'm just a bit concerned because Pete Debra are a very open football team. They um, He won't get much protection from that defence. I'm just wondering if that's the best environment for a young goalkeeper who's low on confidence. Um, and I, I, I don't know if you saw, Steve, but a couple of weeks back, they, um, we, we we put out the team against um, sort of Brentford B team in a behind closed doors friendly and they showed the highlights and, and he conceded two goals which are exactly the same. Basically, he just passed it straight to an opposition player um, on the edge of his own box and um, they managed to, you know, punish him for it. Um, It just looked like a keeper who was low on confidence and who didn't have that belief and was making those same mistakes. It was just painful to watch really and I just think more than anything he needs to regain confidence. I just wonder if he would have been better off dropping a level into League One say but playing for a team which had a slightly stronger defence and would have given him a bit more protection and would have enabled him to get a well, giving him a better chance of keeping clean sheets and giving him less work to do. Maybe an MK Dons, for example, who have just lost their keeper, um, which, like you said, we'll get on to discuss in a bit. But I, I don't know. I just worry um, that, that he'll go off to Peterborough. And it, it's it's. I worry that it suddenly becomes a kind of make or break situation for him there, because either he's going to be worked hard, but he's going to... Really shine and show what he can do and rise to the occasion, or he's going to be worked hard and his um, deficiencies are going to be um, put under an even greater spotlight. Um, I just don't know how it's going to go, and I'm not entirely confident that's going to work out for him. I don't know it. Yeah, I don't know if it's the best move for him.
1: Yeah, I think that's a fair comment, as you say. I mean, Peterborough, you will have a lot to do when you're playing for the money, as you said. So. Yeah, I mean, he went to Swindon, didn't he, a couple of years back, and obviously they were, um, they were the team that won the league, weren't they? So that probably suited him a bit more than having less to do, less less pressure on him type of thing. And, yeah, but, I mean, Peter as you say, a struggling team, in that sense, maybe not so good. But, I mean, he, hopefully he'll he'll play. That's the main thing, first and foremost, isn't it? Because, I mean, if he's not going to play,
0: then it's a, it really is a waste, waste of time. Absolutely. Um, but we have found a replacement for him. Um, Andy Fisher um, who's been linked with us for quite some time ever since really um, Russell Martin joined us from the NK Dons Um, Martin clearly liked what he saw from him at Stadium MK and he's um, brought him up to the Championship I don't know if you've seen much of him Steve, I I haven't but um, the clips and the descriptions we've seen certainly make it seem like he's a a Russell Martin type goalkeeper he does like to play it out from the back Um, I mean we've from my point of view, I think we need Andy Fisher to be a number one. He needs to be good enough to be a number one, because I think Ben Hamer is a very good backup at this level, but I think we probably need better from our first choice goalkeeper. I'm just hoping that he can make that step up to the Championship and become a sort of reliable presence in goal.
1: Yeah, I I agree with you. I mean, as as we said, wasn't it, we... um... We weren't happy with um, the way that Hamer had been playing recently. Bender, as we'd said, was was making mistakes. So I think goalkeeper was, I wouldn't say necessarily the top priority position because as soon as Ethan led, when we really needed a wing-back, then we had right wing-back. And you could argue now we, we really need a left wing-back as opposed to a goalkeeper being first choice. But look, I think long-term, we, we did need a goalkeeper. And, you know, Fisher's obviously... a. a player that um, the manager knows well. I think he signed him for MK Don. So, you know, it's it's understandable then that uh, Martin has decided to bring him in. So, as you say, he does look like the the type of goalkeeper that's very good with his feet. There were, I don't think the Swans put a YouTube compilation up of him. There were a few good saves in there as well. So, yeah, I mean, he's been bought, hasn't he, as, as a sweeper-keeper and yeah, that's what we're mainly going to see from him. I'm not so sure what he's going to be like with shot stopping and, and crosses, which, you know, are a priority. And that's something that, for example, Bender I thought was was pretty good at as opposed to the playing out from the back. But we, you know, ideally you need an all-rounder goalkeeper, don't you? But, I mean, most of them tend to go to the top clubs. All the others seem to have the odd floor. Maybe uh-huh. can't, you know, they, they do have a weakness. So, you know, it's going to be interesting to see what what happens with Fisher. But I was quite surprised really, that he didn't play at other field, I think. You know, I am expecting him to be the number one, really, and I'd be surprised if he doesn't play on Saturday.
0: Yeah, I think people have kind of unrealistic expectations often of um, championship goalkeepers. And like you said, if if you have a perfect all-rounder as a goalkeeper, they tend to go to the Premier League. Um, I think, you know, when Freddie Woodman was here, he took a lot of uh, what I thought was unfair criticism because he made a couple of mistakes every every now and again. But he was... Actually, when you compared him to other goalkeepers in the division, he was among the most dependable in the division. Um, so hopefully if, if you know, um, Fisher does make one or two errors, um, which he could do playing the style of play that we do, let's face it, um, hopefully fans won't uh, get on his back too much. Um, another arrival um, to replace a, a, a popular departed player in Ethan Led is Cyrus Christie. A very different player to to Leeds, Steve, in the sense that it, Cyrus Christie is just kind of the um, quintessential Championship right back. He seems to have been around for forever in this division. Um, he's been around the block. He's been to several different clubs during his career, um, and now he's found himself at Swansea because he couldn't find. Uh, well, he couldn't break into the um, Fulham starting lineup. Uh, we definitely needed a right wing back. Is Christy the man to replace Lead, in your opinion?
1: Um, I think it's it's a good move, really. There's no complaints from me. I think you know, we urgently needed to get somebody in as as we discussed, and like I say he's a very experienced player at this level, he's played for the likes of Fulham and Derby and Forest. I think there's about three hundred games at this level for him, really. So, you know, I think it is a sensible one. I mean, it's only alone, I think he's out of contract for Fulham in the summer, so you know there is a, a, the opportunity to, there to to make it permanent, and you know I think at times as well sometimes a bit of experience won't do us any harm either. I mean, we've got, got a lot of good uh, younger players, but you know bringing in somebody that is a, around the age of thirty, then some uh, there's always room for a couple of those guys in the squad as well. So yeah, I, I think it's a good move, and I applaud the club really for for acting swiftly after they were really called out by what happened with Ethan Laird. So you know we we've solves that problem
0: really haven't we and that was something that we, we needed to do. Oh god I hate talking about 29-year-old as kind of an experienced head and an, you know a, a player who can you know the younger players can look up to. You know, it makes me feel so old. It really does. I mean it's yeah. But um but yeah that is how I'm looking at Cyrus Christie who is two years younger than me as a kind of good old head for the younger players. Um, to look up to. And I, I don't think it's the kind of signing that's going to set the world alight. Um, but Chris has proven himself to be a solid performer at this level. You kind of know what you're going to get. Um, <clears throat> he's probably, I'm hoping anyway, going to give us a little bit more in defence than, than than Ethan Laird gave us. Um, he's not going to be as explosive in attack as Laird was, uh, and doesn't have quite Laird's, you know, really blistering pace. Um but, but, you know, he's proven himself in the past. he's 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 an effective attacker. He's got a decent cross on him. Um, he's, yeah, I, I, I think I think this is a, a shrewd um, uh, appointment to get us through to the end of the season. um, and I think he could really give us something um well, just just fill that gap very effectively on the on the right wing. um, so hopefully, um he'll uh, settle in quickly. And after all that, I think we have finally covered everything in the in the transfer window for this week. Um, it's mad to think that it's probably going to get busier between now and um, February 1st. But um, at least we're hoping that the uh, incomings haven't uh, haven't finished yet. And um, fingers crossed, there won't be too many outgoings, at least none that um, none that we'd uh, want to stay. Um we we're going to look ahead in a bit to the Preston and QPR match, but before we get to that, Steve, one of the big news, uh, well, one of the big news stories since we last recorded is that we are actually going to be allowed back into stadiums um, starting this Saturday, and there will actually be a crowd at the Liberty for the game against Preston. Um, you know, we're all chuffed. Is it uh, is it the right move in your opinion?
1: Yeah, I say so. I mean, the the case numbers all seem to be. Uh... You know, at a, a level where I would say that things can go back to normal-ish. So, yeah, I'm, from my point of view, I was disappointed that we didn't have this in the first place. But the we've got to look at it was, other than the game at Southampton, we haven't really ended up missing anything. So, it's good from the club's point of view. They haven't had to do any refunds, really. And, yeah, I think everyone will be looking forward to, uh, to getting back down there again. So, yeah, good news and the right decision for me.
0: Yeah, new cases have um, have dropped quite significantly um, over the last um, few days, uh, which uh, clearly Mark Drakeford feels is uh, enough justification to uh, overturn what uh, had been a very unpopular move among football fans anyway. Um, so we're going to be back in there. Uh, I mean, whether or not they made any kind of uh, uh, difference um, and how much difference it would have made to, um, to those COVID rates not quite sure really i mean england didn't have um it didn't go didn't take a similar move and i think their rates have taken a kind of similar um turn so whether or not it made any difference uh we don't know but um the good news is that uh, we are going to be allowed back into stadiums i saw quite a few fans kind of say uh, oh, well, yeah, of course, the, the Welsh Government are going to do it now before the Six Nations get started, because rugby is everything. And I was just thinking, just just be glad that we're back in, honestly. Like, if we if he hadn't done it before the Six Nations, they would have been slating him for not doing it. It was, uh, yeah, people, people love to complain one way or the other. But the important thing is that we are back into the stadium for the first time since December 11th, when Preston come uh, to visit. And, um, well, Steve, it's... Um, it's it's uh, kind of it's quite a big game, really, isn't it? Because we've um, obviously got a draw against Huddersfield, um, but the last three um, league games that the Swans played back in two thousand and twenty-one um, were all defeats. Two of them at home. Uh, the last one, the the four-one thumping at home to Nottingham Forest, um, the arrival of Preston, a team who have set the world alight this season. I think it's fair to say. Gives us uh, a good chance. You would have thought to to get um, back to winning ways.
1: Yeah, you would think so. I would certainly like to hope so. Anyway, I mean, I uh, Preston. Um, you no, know, I was at the game in August where we were well beaten. We didn't play very well, but I, I didn't think they were a great side. If I'm if I'm honest, obviously they've not had a great season. They've they changed the manager. Haven't they, I, I do believe Is Mike Marsh, the assistant manager there now. Is yeah. that right?
0: Yeah, to Ryan Lowe, um, who left yeah. Plymouth to take over there uh, a couple of weeks back.
1: Yeah, that's right. So, that'll be interesting. Um, I think, you know, Scott Sinclair is there as well, isn't he? Obviously, that'll get a mention, because obviously, this annoying habit of ex players scoring against us it always seems to rear its head, doesn't it? But I think, you know, we've got to be looking at this game as a game that we, we need to try and target three points from. I mean, we, we've got some tough games coming up. Obviously, we haven't had a win for, you know, a few games either now, so, you know, I, I think it's quite a good one to to come back to, uh, I mean, at home, so you know, fingers crossed, and, you know, there should be some confidence there after the fact is we, you know, we we had a good point, and what I would say, especially in the second half, a good performance obviously, so, you know, we should have some confidence, I think the crowd will be up as well obviously the first time for six weeks we've played at home, so, you know, I think a lot of people will be looking forward to that, and so you might get a better atmosphere than what you would for a normal Saturday afternoon in, um, in January. So, yeah, I think, uh, you know, fingers crossed we can get the job
0: done. Do you think the the last three league games before Christmas and, and in particular that Nottingham Forest shocker um, are going to be on the players' minds and, and even on the fans' minds? Because it's it's been a long time since we've um, played a league game at, at home. Um, do you think it's going to be, you know, front and center in their minds, or do you think that's ancient history by now?
1: Yeah, that's a good question, really. I mean, it's it's a tough one to answer. For some people, it might be fresh in their minds. Probably not so much for me because I was at Huddersfield. I think for some of the ones that maybe didn't go, then possibly, and obviously there hasn't been a lot, you know, much else to talk about since then in terms of watching us, because obviously we only played that game of Southampton and, and the game of Huddersfield. So. You know, it, it might be. I mean, it, it might. the important thing might be how we start the game in terms of how we're playing, because I mean, if we start in a shaky way, then, then maybe it will play on people's minds. But if we come out of the blocks early and we, we're playing nice football where, and we're trying to create chances, then, you know, I think it maybe will be more of a distant memory. But, you know, we'll, we'll have to wait and see, won't we?
0: Yeah, Swans haven't won at home since the thirtieth of October uh, against Peterborough, so it's um, we're overdue a, a home win. Although it should be noted, of course, that um, we've we've not played any uh, any games between the eleventh of December and the fifteenth uh, of January in the league. Um, I mean, looking back to Huddersfield, were there any kind of changes or or or? or even things that you saw at Huddersfield which would encourage you going into a game against Preston that you'd like to see um, employed uh, on Saturday?
1: I think what Maffemi did well when he came on it was the best he's played for a while and he did look more threatened, so that was good. I'm not sure I'd like to see him start, um, but what I did quite like was that you know because there was no Patterson, and the manager sort of was in a situation where he didn't have much choice, he had to go to up front, which... You know that that's a good thing from my point of view. We did the same thing in Luton when we were chasing, and it obviously worked there as well. So I think that's definitely something we should look at if we're in a position where we, we could do with a goal. Maybe look to go with the, the two up front really. But you know I think other than that, what we need to try and just remember how well we did in the second half and try and you know pick up where we left off really on on Saturday. That's the best way to to approach it and. You know, I, I, there were plenty of encouraging signs from that second half in terms of how we were we were playing. And as I said, we made a team that were above us in the league, quite, quite ordinary. So that's how we we really need to approach it. And it would be nice if we could have another couple of signings in really before then, but you know, there's no guarantees of that at this stage. We'll have to uh, wait and see.
0: Yeah, as as we're recording this, by the way, um, Preston um, haven't actually lost a league game. Um, since Ryan Lowe took over in early December, they've um, they beaten Barnsley, uh, they've beaten Stoke, and they drew against Birmingham. So it's not as if they've um, faced any great team since then. And as we're recording this, they are actually losing at home two um to Sheffield United. Um, so that's quite. Um, so hopefully that's uh, that's a sign that um, may- maybe they you know those those. Good results they've been having have um, been a bit misleading. They've also actually had a player sent off, Andrew Hughes, I'm just seeing now, who's from Cardiff, if I'm not mistaken. Um, so he'll be suspended for the game as well, which um, certainly uh, isn't a bad thing as far as uh, as far as we're concerned. Hopefully that'll be a dent to their confidence. They also lost an extra time against Cardiff um, in the FA Cup, which for anybody who saw that game, it's... Um, I think drab would have been a bit of an understatement, really. It was not a great watch. Um, Cardiff games very rarely are, but that was not particularly exciting. Um, Steve, in terms of a prediction for this one, how how, you, how do you see it going?
1: Uh, I think we'll do a win. So I'm going to predict 2-1 to the Swans. Joe, you
0: know I'm going to go... I, I'm actually going to take the mad step, absolutely mad step, of predicting a clean sheet for the Swans. Based on absolutely nothing at all, but I'm going to go 2-0. Um, Preston are always quite boring, aren't they? I, I, I'm, I'm never a big fan of watching Preston, but in fairness, I do like Ryan Lowe, Um And I think the man to watch for them is Emil Rees-Jacobsen up front, who, um, who is a very useful striker, and the kind of striker who I think could could cause problems for for our centre backs. Um but I think if we can keep him quiet then we'll go a long way towards keeping Preston quiet. I'm hoping that we can um, get back to winning ways on Saturday with a 2-0 win. Um very quickly Steve will go on to discuss QPR um who we will be playing in midweek next week. This is a rearranged fixture um because of the Covid cancellation back in early December. Um QPR have um, have had a really good season, and uh, um, Warburton, and um, I think I think we were all in agreement that the cancellation back in early December came at a good time for us. Do you think we're better placed now to to go to Loftus Road and and get something?
1: I mean, you you'd hope so, wouldn't you? I mean, we weren't playing very well at that stage, were we? So you know, I think that that little break probably didn't do us a, a great deal of harm. Um, you know, QPR are having a good season. Obviously, they're up there in the top six. You know, a certain John Eustace is the assistant manager, who you know allegedly was going to be our manager before he backed out of it at the last minute. So that'll be interesting. I I, I intend to give him some stick because I had a few quid on him to be our manager, so he cost me. Um, so you know QPR, they've always war, but and they they played nice football. I don't know if you remember the game down here last season where. We, I think it was quite late in the season where they, they ended oh, up winning no. 1-0 with a late goal. Oh. They played really, really well. but well, we, we were awful as well. Uh, I will uh, admit that bit. But I mean, we had, a, we had a couple of games where I think they're a decent team. They do like to play some nice football. So I think it could be a, quite a good game. I think it, be, it might be one of them where we don't actually have the most possession because they, they quite like to get the ball down themselves. So I think that QPR is a game that could go either way, I think. I think if we turn up there and play really well, I'd fancy us to have a decent chance of maybe even winning. But if we don't turn up, then we could be on the wrong end of a comfortable defeat. So, yeah. Um, I wouldn't bet on the QPR game. That's probably the best way of describing it.
0: Am I right in thinking that we've won our last two league visits to to Loftus Road?
1: Yeah, we have. Yeah, and we've that- won, we've, and Steve Cooper... Is responsible for 75% of the swans wins at Loftus
0: Road in our entire history. We have a horrible record there in the whole, but actually, over the last few seasons, we've we've got there. But this is a different QPR team. I mean, they, um, in fairness, to them. I mean, they're, they're fourth in the table as we're recording this. Um, but they're, they're only five points off um, the top two, and they've got a game in hand on the uh, on the three teams above them. So actually, I mean, the the loss of form for Bournemouth has maybe opened the door for clubs like QPR to perhaps consider um, a, an unlikely push for the for the automatic spots. And, um, you know, they've they've got a couple of really good attacking players in particular, and, you know, Willock, who's been one of the best players in the Championship this season as far as I'm concerned. Um, Ilyas Chair, um, I think he may actually be away for the African Cup of Nations, which could help us. Um, but then uh, Lyndon Dykes up front, he's, um, um, you know, he he gets his fair share of goals. Charlie Austin and all stager. Um, Dickey in defense has had a good season as well. You've got you just got a lot of Stephanie Hansen in midfield as a player I've always liked. It's you know, you've got a lot of good players there um in that team who have it's just slowly developed over the last few years for QPR. And they've gone from being a team that was very much thrown together, a lot of inexperienced youngsters in with a lot of championship old stages and for years they were just just kind of trying to uh, etch out an existence in the championship and just trying to avoid dropping into league one. And over the last few years, it's as if they've slowly built into this very good team. That's good to watch and very effective. Um, and you know, their recent results are very good. They've won the last three, um, including a, a win against West Brom in their last match. Um, in many ways, Steve, you could say that they're a bit of a blueprint for the Swans in what we're trying to do.
1: Yeah, you probably could. I mean, as you say, they, it, it seemed like at first, obviously, QPR, they chased the dream, then they really? And the Tony Fernandez, spent a lot of money. It didn't really work. Um, and then they've been through a few managers since then. Chris Ramsey was in there, Jimmy Floyd Hasselbank, and they you know, a lot of it then was about just trying to, you know, sort of get the wage bill down and try and from there, really, in terms of bringing in a different type of player, and obviously they've been to a lot of managers think Ian Holloway's been in there, isn't he? Again, Steve McLaren was in there, I think, when we first came down, and um, you know, obviously, Warburton's there now, and he's been there for, I think this is his third season there, or something like that, so yeah, I I think, as you say, I mean, they they could be a bit of a a blueprint for us, and obviously, they, they like to play nice football as well, don't they? So, yeah, there's certainly, you know, QPR have learned some harsh lessons, I would say, really, in terms of you know, spent a lot of money that they probably didn't have, thinking that that would allow them to establish themselves in the Premier league and they they paid a heavy price for it. but maybe now they're they're back on an upward curve, and they you know they're looking good for you know a possible playoff place, aren't
0: they? yeah, they yeah, they're looking very good for the playoffs. and um as I said, maybe having uh... Uh, an outside chance of making the top two as well, so with that in mind Steve you're going up to West London for that match are you confident of returning with three points?
1: Um, I think it's possible but I don't think it'll happen I'm going to go for an entertaining 2 all draw
0: Uh, I think QPR are the kind of team that'll enjoy playing against us, Um, I can see Willock having a bit of fun in the wide areas dragging our centre backs out of position other position and then cutting inside. Um I think it's I think it could be very entertaining. I think it could be very eventful, but I think it'll end 3-1 to QPR. I just think they're they're in a good place at the moment and they'll quite enjoy playing against our defense. So um I think it'll be back to the bad old days in terms of our visits to Loftus Road. Um Yeah, we've had had a few shockers in the past. It has to be said, hopefully it won't be among the worst we've had at that stadium. Um, Thank you very much for joining us uh, on this pod. It has been a very long one. But as is so often the case with uh, Swansea City, there's been a lot to discuss. Join us again soon, when hopefully we'll have a bit more good news um, to discuss, especially in the transfer front. And hopefully we'll have a long overdue win to discuss as well. But until then, thank you very much for listening.